Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 165 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we shared our New Year's technology resolutions. Now we want to talk about ways to take better advantage of some of the simplest tech features uh, that are out there and change how helpful your tech can actually be for you. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll be talking about notifications and reminders and how you can improve your use of of those very useful tools. Uh, In our second segment, we'll talk about the pros and cons of installing updates uh, the first day that they're released. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's talk about notifications and reminders. It's a simple, basic topic, it seems, but I think there's a little bit more to it. We, I think lawyers' lives, to a certain extent, are ruled by notifications and reminders. We get notifications of a decision by a judge. We get reminded of a deadline to make a filing. Uh, technology has tried and is supposed to make these notifications easier. I think that's the general goal, hopefully. But instead, I, I, I know, I do, but we often find ourselves bombarded by a constant stream of messages, many of which we really never asked for in the first place. So we thought we'd spend some time talking about uh, what has now become kind of a ubiquitous part of our life, the notification, the reminder. Dennis, are we, what do you think? Are, do you think that lawyers in general are using reminders and notifications on our devices and in our programs as effectively as we can? Well, I think the short answer is is really no, we're not. And and part of it is because we don't understand the sort of control and flexibility uh, that we, we have over these things. So I was listening uh, to a podcast the other day where people were talking about notifications and reminders. And, and the reminder in the podcast was that we're – a lot of these things come with default settings. And I think that really comes home when you uh, say – install new programs, get a new computer, that sort of thing. And then you realize that you're getting all these notifications that you really didn't, you don't feel that you ask for. And so the the premise of this podcast was that if if you allow just the default settings, you're, you're having someone else set your agenda uh, for what they think is sort of the least common denominator, what everybody wants, and it's not personalized to you. Um, and I, I thought that was sort of profound, and and that's that's why I like this topic. Tom, it's sort of one of we. I think we go from like big picture trends and and coming new issues and and really important things to to really simple things that of how lawyers can use technology. And I, I sometimes think it's when we go to the. I, I really like doing these things on simple uh, technology things because I, I think it reveals a lot and does a lot to to really to really help us. Um, so I've I've been spending some time lately just noticing things, and in some of the things that I've done new or have been reinstalled, I'm surprised by some of the, some of the reminders and notifications that are are coming up that uh, I hadn't seen for a long time, and I realized that I had turned them off, and and now I do think it makes sense uh, for me to go back and start to take more control of that, and we can kind of go into the different categories, but. 
Uh, Tom, you, you say that you're bombarded by reminders and notifications. Is it, Do you have that sense that somebody is sort of setting the notification agenda for you? So I'm, I'm, I personally am not bombarded because I, I've taken control of my notifications. And like you said, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about good, good ways to, to manage that. But I think you're absolutely right. It's that uh, there is an assumption made uh, by the developers that you want to have a default level of notification. And that default is usually the maximum amount or some level that they believe is, is the maximum amount. Um, and, and it's up to you to dial that back down. Uh, what I, you know, I, let me, I want to actually step up another 10 or 20,000 feet and really look at why this is an issue now. Because notifications and reminders wasn't always the issue that it is today, I think. Um, I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the model of our mobile platform has changed to a certain extent. Um, because we have so many apps on our phones now, uh, with so much information in them that we're, we're only going to go to those apps on demand. It's not that we're just going to go, we're not, we're certainly not going to regularly look through these apps for new information. We just, there's too many apps that, you know, I, I have found, um, in working with my phone that there's probably, I, I have probably 100, 150 apps on my phone. I maybe use 10 of them routinely, and the rest of them just sit there for a particular purpose that I need them. Um, they all have notifications, but see, that's where they, the notifications came in. They took advantage of the fact that people weren't going to those, those apps. Now, rather than having to hunt and peck through apps to see what's new, the apps can let us go in, know what's going on at the right time when we need to know it. And those are the ones that we're more likely to go back to again and again, which I think is why we're seeing people make the argument that notifications are really now the front door to your mobile device. They're, they're now the primary access point for you to get information on your phone or tablet, which is, I think, why it's a good topic for us to talk to, because despite the fact that they're so simple, they are, I think, they're, they're the main target that app developers are really focusing on now to make sure that you get that information uh, rather than go into the app. Yeah, so let me give two examples. So uh, one is the classic old example that I think we often overlook and take for granted, and one is that just is an app example that happened for me uh, just today. So I think the classic notification that we often overlook is the the email notification. So I mean, typically people are in Outlook and. Uh, they might have a sound, which I can never believe people do, or they might have something that pops up or, you know, there's something that shows new email has arrived. And back in the, the early days, it was great to know that you you had mail and to know when it came in. And so, you know, audio, pop-ups, anything, they made sense because email was so important. So now email feels like our biggest interruption. And so um, I think that there you start to say, well, if I don't want to be interrupted, then why am I allowing this automatic, uh, often default setting on email to to interrupt me? And can I take better control of that? So that's sort of like the old example that we still face. The other thing was that, Tommy, you and I set up a, a Slack account uh, for this podcast just as an experiment that we promised we were going to try in our, our resolutions and uh, I saw a notice that uh, 
that you had posted something to to Slack, uh, actually the script for this podcast. And what I realized then was that I just had Slack on, you know, some, you know, secondary screen of, of my iPhone. And those, the notifications that you had sent something to me in Slack or that something was in Slack, I decided was important to me. Uh, but to this extent, I didn't necessarily need to have something jump up and tell me there was something new in Slack, but I did want it on the front page of, of my iPhone apps so that I would see the little number come up to let me know something new was in there and it would be easy for me to see. So I may you know, dial into the, into that notification on Slack, the more I use it to make it, you know, make more sense to me. But I think in, in both cases, it shows something like you said, where apps, the notification thing becomes important and then you, you need to try to figure out a way, a way to deal it. So that to me is sort of like the, the two ends of the spectrum, something that's, you know, has been with us for a long time, uh, typically on our, our actual work computer, and then the other thing is is the app and what we need to know and when we need to know it. Well, and, and I won't even start about email notifications because I've been I've been preaching about getting turning off email notifications for a long time. Whether you just want to see that there's a new number there, or you have a sound, or you have a little thing that pops up in the corner of your screen, um, I've I've always been firmly convinced that people who see that or who have those notifications. Um, they in turn become firmly convinced when they see that, that the email they just received is the most important email they will receive the entire day. And it's an incredible drain on attention. The The problems that I see with notifications in general, they're just too many. There was a study that actually said that the average Android user gets about 60 notifications a day. And I would say that's probably how many I would get if I if I let all those notifications come in the way that I have them. Like we've mentioned, though, that apps are making the assumptions about the notifications that you want to receive. They assume you want every notification as the default, and they put the burden on you to go and change it. Now, that's that's why I think the good news for notifications is that app makers are letting you take more action without actually going into the app itself. You're talking about seeing a little number on a screen that lets you know you have a message. I really prefer the notification pane on my phone where I get a notification on my lock screen that says something, or I can just put up my phone and without actually going into any of the apps, I can just, I can, with a flick of a finger, I've got a list of all of my notifications and we'll say like, okay, you got a meeting coming up in 20 minutes. There's a notification of that. Um, You received a voicemail from so-and-so. Here's a text message that you got. I can swipe through them and get rid of them as I want to. And I can literally look at all those notifications in just a few seconds. Um, the better part, and what I think that is, is another way that um, app developers are helping with the notification issue is, is that they're allowing you to take action on those notifications without actually going into the app itself. So now I can get a text on my lock screen, I can press on that, that text, and I can actually reply to the text either there or, frankly, I can do it on my watch if I want to. And um, the ability to do that is a huge time saver from having to go into my text program and to look at the message. I can just see what the message is very quickly and easily. And I think that's the smart thing that app developers are doing is they're allowing it to be uh, allowing you to be a lot more efficient with your notifications. But again, the burden still is on you to go in and make sure that 
you're getting the right notifications. I will never set up, you know, on my phone or on my watch. One of the first things I turned off was notification for email. I don't care on my phone or on my watch when I'm getting email. It's it's that uh, if that was happening, I would be getting notifications constantly, and I think that's just crazy. So, and I think we'll we'll dive into the whole customization notion, which I think is really important because you. Because being able to personalize this is is what is really liberating, I think, and and really uh, reduces your anxiety and the and and the, your feeling that your phone or your computer or your watch are always always bothering you. So I like to break notifications and reminders into two different categories, and it, I think it's a subtle difference, but but I, I think it's it's a useful one. So for me, notifications are something that gets sent to me that I may have given permission for, but it doesn't initiate from me. You know, so I may get a uh, notice of a, a notification, a text message of uh, other things, and and the classic example was notification you get when when a phone call is coming in. Reminders, I feel, are something that I've really set, and so they're more important to me, and I've set them in a way that I really do want to see them. And so that would say I want to be reminded that I have an appointment, uh, you know, an Outlook. If I have a conference call, I want something to pop up and warn me about that 10 minutes ahead of time and give me a snooze button to remind me again when I actually need to, to jump on that call. Uh, so, so those are examples. And so to me, reminders are very important. I, I've thought a lot of this, uh, about this a lot more with the Amazon Echo, which now I use as a timer and an alarm all the time. And I just like the fact that I can go, you know, Alexa, set, set an alarm or a timer for 10 minutes. And, you know, and then I can do something for 10 minutes and I can, I can, you know, give me a reminder when I need to leave for something. And I, I think that's really useful. Uh, so I think that illustrates how you might want to take completely different approaches depending on whether the notif it's a notification that's from someone else or it's the notification from you. And I think that leads us right into the whole notion, Tom, of customization and the, the type of changes that we can make to reflect what, what we want to learn, how we want to learn it, and in what form. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that reminders are the things that you really need to have. The notifications are the optional items that you want. And what I particularly like being an Android user, and you can tell me whether it's how, how or whether it's different on an iPhone, is that an Android, Google is now giving you a lot more flexibility and um, a lot more power in order to set the notifications. Now, it takes a little upfront work on your end. You've got to go into each notification, each app settings individually and set up those notifications uh, to the level that you want them. But I can tell you, you can be very granular with them and really be powerful and strategic about kind of what notifications that you do get. So I can, I have a couple of choices when I go, if I just go to any app, I've got a couple of choices. I can block notifications entirely. So notifications at all, it gets totally turned off. I can have the notifications peek in briefly on the current screen, kind of like they would if I had an email in my computer and it just kind of popped up and I could get that notification just slide in and slide out. So if, if it was something that I needed to see, like a meeting invite or something like that, I'd want to do it that way. I can have notifications customized to where I've even, if I've turned 
do not disturb on my phone if I'm going to be in a meeting, but I know that 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 a loved one is is in the emergency room and I want to get an update on that. I can have certain things come through even when I've turned the do not disturb sign on. I can also set my notifications up so that even if I want to see something on my lock screen, if that message happens to have something sensitive in it, um, if it has my social security number or it has credit card information or it has something that Android thinks is sensitive, then it'll actually block that. It'll hide that sensitive content from the notifications. And that's just the four basic notification tools that are on Android that it makes it really, I think, easy to decide, here's what I want. And I usually will customize it so that I can see up at the top where what kind of notifications I have in terms of uh, little icons to tell me how many notifications I've gotten in. And I find that that's a really easy way to manage my notifications. And I'm not totally bombarded with things uh, throughout the day. Right. And I, I think that do not disturb notion is an important one and, and maybe one place that people might want to think about. I, if you do presentations, you've always wanted to have like a do not disturb mode uh, so that somebody's instant messages didn't pop up during the middle of your, your presentation, especially on a, a work computer. And, and there are settings for that. What you're describing on the Android, in my experience on, on the iPhone, is, is very similar, that I can go into each application and I can, I can say how, if I want notifications, and you sort of where and how those are delivered. So like you say, some things you might want on the lock screen, um, and then you can also, and other things, you just might want to have the little number show that something's happening. Um, and and there are there are other options. You can also decide what goes to your watch, you know, to my Apple Watch or 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 not. Uh, sometimes the default settings there. I had a program that sort of defaulted reminders or notifications to my watch, and um, it was kind of a cool thing. Could be useful, but the program was it was a it was OmniFocus, and which is my to do list. So I don't I don't want to be badgered on my watch about the stuff I haven't got done. You know, so it's so it didn't make sense there. So I would prefer to use things that actually says, "Hey, there's a meeting, there's a fa- there's a call, there's something like this." And then you also have that customization possibility in other ways with vibrations, with sounds, with ringtones. But I think the the real interesting one that you mentioned is that do not disturb thing. Because I've known people who say that they they have to put their phone in a different room because they don't want it to, you know, they want to get these text message sounds during the, the night or whatever. And you go like, oh, you know, there's this do not disturb setting that you could say, hey, nothing, right. none, none right. of those types yeah. of notices will come up uh, during the time that I would be be sleeping. And and it's, you know, it's liberating if if part of your going to sleep routine is taking your phone into another room. You're just going, oh, my God, the world has, has changed. So, I think that um, that's sort of tip one for me is is that you always want to look into the settings. And this is the old, you know, uh, right click menu notion, all those sorts of, you know, uh, uh, preferences on on the Mac in the equivalent in, in Windows. I don't can't remember if it's called preferences or not, but where you say, wow, there are places I can go to where I can adjust the settings to maybe something that feels more appropriate. And then once I see what those settings are, then I can turn things off and maybe my approach is more like turn things off and then gradually turn things back on. But but I, I think similar sort of process time, but I th- think that whole notion of saying 
of realizing that there are things like settings where you can make changes is is step one. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the watch idea because you and I have talked several times on the podcast before about the, one of the benefits of both the Apple Watch and our Android watches is that is that they serve a notification purpose. To me, that's one of the best things about my watch is that now I can get notifications there so I don't have to always pull my phone out all the time. Now, the downside to that is that sometimes you... Uh, Sometimes you wind up looking like you're bored and you're looking at your watch and see if it's it's time to to do to leave or do something. But I will say that it's much more convenient and it uh, it, it cuts down on looking at the watch. Um, but I think that when it comes to notifications on the watch, the challenge there of balancing out your notifications is even more so because um, I I like the fact that when the phone rings or when I get a text message my wrist vibrates so I can see when I've gotten a message that's important to me. But if I allowed all of my notifications to come through and vibrate, I, I, my wrist would be buzzing constantly and I would want to throw my watch away and not ever use it again if I was getting notified all the time. So I think that with as careful as you are on your phone or your tablet, be even more careful on the watch because you need to be very strategic about kind of how you want to get notified um, because it can get it can wear you out pretty quickly. Right. And then you also have the options, uh, which I haven't explored that much because it's partially the way I, I use things, but um, where you can kind of set the taps, the vibrations, the sounds uh, to on notifications in the way that's most useful to you. And I also realize that I do things differently for uh, personal and work maybe than, than other people do. And I, I keep a real separation there. So for me, I know that if there's a text message or a phone call from my wife or daughter or from my dad, uh, uh, typically I want that. I want a notification of that right away. And I will do a number of things like that. At work, I do want notifications of emails because there's sort of the expectation that, that people yep. you know, are reading each other's emails. And so I, I allow that. I also allow on my work phone the, the vibration for an email that's arrived. Uh, on my personal phone, I absolutely don't do that either on a phone or computer because I, I can just go look at my personal email uh, and I just don't want to be pinged with anything that might come to my personal email. And so so I take a you know some different approaches depending on you know the device, whether it's work or it's it's personal, uh, you know what what the application is. Uh, like you said, if there's something going on, say health situation, other things like that, I might you know typically my phones are always on vibrate. Um, but if there's a situation where somebody's in the hospital or something like that, I I turn the sounds on and I I want to make sure that I'm notified in that sense. And so it's kind of interesting because I don't really think about the it's it's that funny thing Tom about how phone is turning into an app of its own, you know, this sort of talking app when it's needed. And so I I don't really see the phone ringing is ringing so much anymore as that I'm being notified that there is a, an opportunity to take a phone call. Um, that I can make a decision about. But sort of the situation may also uh, uh, make it nice that you can make changes to the different things. And then, again, depending on what it is that's important to you, 
uh, could be calendar notations. For some people, it's going to be uh, you know a, a social media or a collaboration tool. But there are certain things that are important to you where you do want to have a more visible, in in all senses of the term, whether you can hear it, feel it, whatever, uh, notice when something something happens. Yep, I, I think this is all to say that what how you need notifications and reminders to work for you is an intensely personal experience. And it's something that you need to decide for yourself and you need to work on yourself. And so I think that as we wrap up this first segment, let's let's kind of talk about the things that we think will, will make the most sense. Um, you know, like I said, I think that taking the time to go through the apps and um, to go through the apps and customize the individual settings uh, I think is extremely important the other thing and I'm going to speak as an Android user and I'm not sure how this works with iPhone but I imagine iCloud would do this is make sure you're backing up to Google Drive if you back up your apps to Google Drive, it's going to back the settings up as well. And so the, the the good news is is that if you ever have to reset your phone, if you ever get a new phone, then you can download it. And all of those settings, all the notification requests, they're all going to be preserved. They should be anyway. And so you won't have to set them again. So so in addition to, to being granular in your customization, make sure that you also take the time to save it and back it up so that you don't have to do it again. Dennis, anything before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the my main learning is don't let the default settings that, that the technology company has put in place control you, that you, you really want to personalize. And, uh, and sort of two things I think are really interesting. Can you start to turn off reminders to carve out free time? And then I just really see the reminders um, and notifications as a great thing for lawyers, you know, reminders of meetings, calls, when you have to be someplace, you know, that, that something has happened, uh, that something's up on your to-do list. Uh, lawyers tend to be driven by appointments and deadlines. And so I think there's some really creative ways lawyers can use notifications to help them out in, in their everyday work. Definitely agreed. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screen process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. I noticed recently that I really like, in sort of an obsessive way, to check for app updates almost daily and download those. Um, it's like a little present for me, even better than email to know like there's a new version of, of some of the apps I use on my phone and, and tablet. And I actually find some enjoyment installing new updates when, when when they're out. I know a lot of other people who never want to install updates until uh, years go by and they, they feel that they're it's finally safe. Now, so I install almost immediately. I've been burned a few times, uh, including recently, by installing updates on the first day and something hasn't worked the way that I wanted. But I think it's really the way to go. So, Tom, I, I thought this would be a, a good topic um, because it comes up fairly often when, when people talk to us. 
But what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of what I'll call my immediate update approach? And how do you handle updates yourself? So I'm pretty much the same way. I, I enjoy getting new updates and I will, uh, I will look forward to them. I, I won't say that I look for ap- updates daily, but what I do, I, what I, what I do notice is, is that if I'm, you know, looking through my, my RSS reader and I look for, and I see a new story and they say that, uh, this app's been updated with this new feature, my first thought will be, oh, I, let me go see if it's been updated on my phone and I'll go look at it. Um, and if it hasn't been, then suddenly I'm frustrated because I haven't gotten that update yet. Um, so usually the reason for me to enjoy um, uh, installing the update as soon as it's available is to try out new features because I like that they're constantly improving the app and, and, and doing it that way. And so, frankly, my phone and my iPad, my, my Android phone and my iPad are both set up for automatic updates. So I very rarely have to... Uh, install and update itself, I want it to automatically update when it's coming in. For me, the only downside to that, the only disadvantage that I can see is not every app update is perfect. Some have bugs. Some have uh, things that come in that, that have taken away a feature that, uh, that you might have liked in the, in the previous app that you don't like if they take it away from you. Um, and uh, I, I've not personally had features taken away that to me were deal breakers. I've had some apps where there's been a bug where I couldn't do something the same way that I could or it broke the app briefly. But frankly, my experience with the developers has always been that uh, that they fix those types of things pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the main downside for, for having a uh, the main downside for having uh, for, for not updating it uh, for, for updating is if you aren't aware that they might have removed a feature that you relied on and that keeping that older app actually would allow you to keep uh, using that particular feature uh, as, long as, uh, as long as you could until, until you ultimately had to, to, to update because uh, it just wasn't supported anymore by the developer. Dennis, how do you deal with things? Yeah, I'm I'm big on automatic updates whenever I can whenever I can do that. Uh, sort of my rationale is always that uh, if you if you look at what's in updates, I would say almost every time there's a security update, um, and that's really important to me. Uh, I don't like to have unpatched programs on my computer. I mean, security is a hard enough job as it is without inviting people, you know, without creating problems. Uh, uh, and, and so that's always a problem when you don't inst- install updates. Uh, I, I, there are a couple, you know, there's some downsides. I mean, t- you know, Tom, we talked in the past about how uh, I had an iOS update that broke my podcast app uh, and I couldn't use the podcast app in the way that I wanted to. And I switched to Overcast, the app, and actually I, I think I'm in in a better place because of that. The downside for me can be, uh, there can be quirks. I I might hold off a little bit uh, if I have an older device or older computer and I'm doing, a, you know, I'd say probably not on Windows updates. I would have that done automatically. But uh, if it's a big update, like an iOS update or something like that, and I have an older phone or device, I might wait a couple days just to see if there are known problems that I can avoid, like my podcast app issue. Um, so sometimes there are things where you might want to be smart about it. Uh, the surprises I find uh, of taking this approach is that if you do it automatically, 
you occasionally get surprised by uh, like a huge download and a big install with rebooting and and uh, you know you need to plug your device in or, or something where you plan to do something and all of a sudden it seems like now the this getting this update installed uh, has taken over your life. So with most apps that doesn't happen. That's more of an operating uh, system update issue or Microsoft Office type issues, which can be really big. Uh, but I, I typically see no downside, and the benefit on the security piece of it is just so huge that I think it outweighs the potential uh, difficulties. And you know, if you bring in operating system updates, I think that's like like you said, I think that's a different dynamic. And and I know lots of people, especially on major upgrades, you know, new versions of Windows. The general advice has always been to wait for the first. Uh, for the first patch to come out, which fixes all the problems with the initial one, I I typically like to to download the first version because um, I'm 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 comfortable with dealing with the bugs, but but a lot of people aren't, and so that's generally good advice. I think apps are different. I think that that you don't have those same issues, um, you know, that that you have with the with downloading a major operating system, and so I think that the considerations are different and the disadvantages are different. I think that that if we're talking just general apps, I think that that uh, for the most part, you can do it with a lot of without a lot of downside, but you really have to think a lot more if you're going to be downloading a, be downloading an update to an operating system. Good points. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So uh, Adam Camerus and I are giving a presentation at ABA Tech Show on creating compelling content with podcasts. So I've been looking at uh, different services and different ways to deliver podcasts. Uh, and and one of the new tools that I've seen is kind of interesting. It's called Zcast. Zcast.co um, is for podcasting what Periscope or Meerkat is for live video streaming. You can uh, just start the app up on your phone and you can be uh, audio casting live to the world. You can have uh, just start up and start talking to people immediately. And so uh, I, I, I think it's still in its early days. Uh, it doesn't appear to have a lot of features uh, that are that 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 are that lend themselves to the serious podcaster. But if you want to give a speech on something and you want to talk to people and not necessarily do it by video, uh, Zcast might be an interesting option to where you can literally be up and producing a live audio stream in seconds. Tom, I have one new pick and one update from the last episode. So um, I, I'm trying to mention more podcasts that I listen to in, in the parting shots. And so there, there's one I like called A16Z, which is uh, sort of venture from the venture capitalist perspective and deals with a lot of technology trends and what's going on in the industry. I, I find it really interesting because they get some great guests and really go deep into a lot of the tech topics and give you a sense of where the, the trends are and what's happening and where investment is going. I think it's really useful to anybody who's interested in, in tech in general. And I want to give a follow-up on the – I mentioned the Canvas podcast before, which I was hesitant to recommend last time because there was only one episode out, even though I liked it a lot. Uh, good news – Podcast, uh, their episode two is out. Um, it looks like they're getting some momentum and have ideas. This one is on document pickers in iOS. And so if you've noticed over the years that now 
when if you want to move, say, a PDF or a, a web page or other information from one app to another, it used to be like really difficult that apps were, were siloed in time. I suspect in your first book, that was one of the issues. Now, what you'll find is that you have a lot of options for moving things to Evernote, to Dropbox, to uh, I love this thing where you can take a PDF and send it over to uh, to iBooks, so so it's in your in your uh, book reader there. So there's a lot of things, and they go through like how those changes have happened, how you can use those things efficiently in this great way, great ways of now moving information and copies of information and copies of documents and the whole document themselves between. Uh, different uh, apps on on your iPhone or, or uh, iPad. So very interesting podcast that I still think has lots of potential for those who want to dive deeper into the iOS world. I will need to go listen to it. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts or in your favorite podcast client. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.